0: Hi guys, and here we are today with Peter sheckleton Director of Sales at BitGo. Uh, Peter, good to see you. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thanks, Lawrence. Uh, really glad to be on uh, on this podcast today.
0: Yeah, well, look, great to have you here as well. Um, you know, again, BitGo, uh, one of the companies out there doing a lot of very exciting things right now. Um, we're getting on, we're getting a lot of people that are new to the space, they're like learning about emerging technologies. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of like BitGo, what's the background? What's the company mission? Like, what what are the values and what is it you guys are are looking to build right now?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So, um, I think you know, BitGo is 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 a leader in in digital asset sort of financial services, um, and I think its core mission is to provide institutional investors with um, you know custody um, and liquidity and security solutions in the digital asset space. Um, so you know we like to refer to ourselves as as an OG uh, or as a you know a veteran of the crypto space and and we, you know this year we're coming up to our 10th anniversary in the market which you know in crypto terms is, is pretty much uh, the no whole thing. the whole spectrum um, and you know we, we very much were sort of the genesis of the company in 2013 was to provide a secure um, wallet um, infrastructure for institutional clients to be able to hold their digital assets. And, you know, we've evolved in line with the market, and we can touch upon that in, you know, on this podcast, but we've essentially now uh, offering a, you know, a a very secure custodial backbone for clients to hold their digital assets in, but then from that custodial backbone, an environment from which they can deploy their digital assets securely into the broader ecosystem. So as the as the digital ecosystem continues to, uh, digital asset ecosystem continues to m- mature and evolve, uh, you know, we're evolving with it in terms of our product development, but always, always with that core emphasis on security first for institutional investors, you know, and, and you know, in a post FTX world, in a post 2022 world even, that's particularly important. And we can touch upon that too, I'm sure later on.
0: Yeah, def- I mean, definitely. And, and it, I have to say that it's something whereby, uh, yeah, you know, I'm fortunate. I get to speak with a lot of the, the tier one, tier two banks. I've got to say, their movement towards crypto hasn't seemed to slow down. If anything, I'm. It feels like there's a ramping up and a push towards regulation, and a ramping up and a need uh, towards the services of companies such as BitGo and what you guys are providing.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, I think um, certainly. Um, you know, we, we continue to, to see a lot of interest from the large institutions, the large financial institutions around the world. To your point, they have been somewhat slowed down either by sort of internal considerations, but I think a lot of them have overcome those hurdles, but more importantly from sort of regulatory considerations. And, and in the post FTX world again, I think that the trend is clear. We're going to move to a more compliant and more regulated oversight of, uh, of the digital asset space. Uh, and bitgo has always had that um, you know front and center in terms of its uh, positioning and um, its product development so i think we we're, we're in a very good position to capitalize on uh, this um, you know this this trend to go towards your regulated custodians you know we're uh, we're independent we believe in the segregation of market structure so we've we've from the onset looked at what the market structure is in uh, traditional assets in equity markets, in fixed income markets, in foreign exchange markets, where there is a segregation of duty between trading and financing and custody, uh, and and we've remained independent and focused solely on custody rather than incorporating other assets. And you you know you saw last year what happens when exchanges um, also act as you know custodians for client assets, and there's a huge amount of opacity and a lot of it is not regulated. Well, you end up with situations like FTX, where ultimately the end user uh, suffers the most and it, and it and it and it you know pushes the industry back several years in terms of adoption and um, um, you, you know and reputation so um i think we, we you know we absolutely follow that sort of regulatory uh, model in terms of our development and um and and with that in mind, for instance um you know we gained trust status in the United States in two thousand and eighteen, and by that i mean we have regulated trust entities where we store um, the digital assets for our clients. And what that means is in the US, they call it qualified custody. I guess in Europe, we call it regulated custody. It means that similar to the, in the traditional asset world, you as an institutional investor can hold your digital assets with BitGo in a regulated entity where your assets are um, obviously regulated by trust status, are bankruptcy remote. There's no commingling of funds. Uh, and they're insured and they benefit from an insurance wrapper. So our trust entities all have a $250 million insurance policy, which is underwritten by uh, Lloyds of London syndicate. Uh, and the, those trust entities are, are um, regulated in very prime regulatory locations. We have a trust entity in New York, a trust entity in South Dakota in the United States, and also two trust entities in Europe, one in Germany regulated by BaFin and one in Switzerland regulated by FINRA. So. Really, um, you know, uh, very compliant. And this is a great appeal for uh, institutional investors when they choose a custodian in the digital asset space.
0: As someone who has a background in equities, um, I personally would never like put my money with a company that doesn't have the level of security that is required, right, to protect Mm -hmm. uh, retail investors. And, And I think what's so interesting about with FTX is that It's a wake up call to the fact that actually with crypto, with assets, you know, if you don't have the right uh, the right security in place, there's no FCA, there's no PRA, there's no SEC to fall back on the Mm -hmm. money's gone. So uh, I think in terms of what you guys are doing. I mean, well, actually, am I right in thinking? are you guys the market leaders in this space? Because I've <clears> interviewed <seeing> a <throat> lot of companies um, that are trying to work on regulating or, or sorry, security within the crypto space. It feels, and it could possibly, possibly be because you guys um, were so early to market, but it feels like you guys are ahead of pretty much every other company in this space.
1: Yes, I certainly think we're the the longest serving, the broadest, um, you know, the broadest custodian in terms of our offering. And I think it's very important to your point to differentiate between, you know, what custody means, especially in digital assets. You know, custody is very clear in in financial markets generally, as you said, and there's a regulatory backstop, there's a regulatory framework and there's well-known you know, players uh, in in the space but custody is a term that has been used a lot more loosely in digital assets and you actually have some of our peers are in, in reality um, only sort of technology solution providers where they offer you a hot wallet solution where you can uh, store your store your keys but your keys and your assets are still online and they don't have an underlying you know cold wallet regulated custodial entity in which your assets can really sit and be materially protected from any adverse sort of operational or market conditions, you know, a la FTX. And so that's where we differentiate ourselves. We are a real custodian, whereas many of our peers sell themselves as custodians, but are actually um, only, uh, you know, software providers, basically. So, um, you know, in terms of uh, the depth of our product offering, the breadth of our product offering, the longevity we've been in the market uh, and the type of clients, um, you know, the breadth of clients and the breadth of geographies that we cover, I would definitely say we're the, we're the biggest and the market leader for sure.
0: So uh, who are, who really are your clients? So they, um, right, mm-hmm. and, and, sorry, if I'm not kind of double down on that, who are your clients right now? And who are your clients going to be tomorrow? Because yeah, there's a movement towards this and there's a desperate, desperate need for what you guys
1: are doing. Absolutely. So I think the beauty with our product um, is our clients are everyone that wants to do something in digital assets because our solution is very modular and caters for everyone. And by that, I, you know, we we obviously as a crypto native business have initially attracted all the um, large, you know, what we call crypto native companies, be they exchanges or uh, crypto miners or payment platforms. So for instance, uh, 35% of the global uh, crypto exchanges use BitGo. Uh, as, as their custodial solution. Um, you know, we have 1,500 clients across 50 geographies. Um, you know, we have a follow the sun model with offices. You know We're obviously a California, Palo Alto based company, but we have large offices in New York. We have a team in Europe, uh, in Latin America, and in, you know, in Southeast Asia and Australia. Uh, and we have clients in all of those geographies and from all breadths of types. So for instance, we've worked with the government of El Salvador um, uh, you know, the year before last when they sort of implemented, um, you know, Bitcoin as legal tender there. Um, we worked on their wallet architecture for the, the Chivo wallet there. We obviously are clients with some of the largest um, crypto native venture capital firms. Uh, as I said, some of the largest exchanges, payment providers, um, re, you know, retail exchanges, Bitcoin miners, uh, but then also the foundations themselves from the blockchain. So they are going to come to us and store a lot of their, um, a lot of their sort of native tokens with us, you know, which they have for for long term deployment into their own ecosystem. Uh, but likewise, we also cater to a lot of the institutional clients that are coming through, so the private banks, the larger investment banks, the commercial banks, the asset managers, the pension funds, the insurers, so really, really everyone, Uh, and then all the way down to high net worth individuals. If you're, you know, someone with a relatively material uh, amount of Bitcoin or Ethereum or other digital currency and you want to store it safely, you can do that with us. And finally, and this is, I think, the trend, at least that I'm the most interested by uh, and interested in, is, you know, I... I heard on another podcast recently, someone say, well, we all thought 2022 was going to be the year that the institutions came. And by that, we all thought the banks and the, uh, and, and the asset managers were going to come. It turns out that the institutions did come, but it wasn't the banks, it was the brands, it was the corporates. And that is actually what we've been seeing over the last 12 months, these large, big multinational companies that have um, started to recognize that they need to enter sort of the crypto through some form of web three metaverse strategy to really uh, meaningfully interact with their younger community and their you know, and the community that is going to be the decision makers going forward. Uh, and, and so they have started to think about, okay, how do we access the metaverse? How do we access web three? What does it mean from a branding? And how can we deploy um, a sort of NFT marketplace strategy at scale from a secure environment? And that's where we come in. We've been uh, we've been working with brands such as Nike, which is publicly announced. We've we were the sort of partner, technology partner for Nike's new NFT uh, marketplace called .Swoosh, um, which is launching on the the Polygon blockchain. Um, and you know, we're working on a lot of uh, similar projects at the moment with similar types of brands around the world. And I find that is very very exciting because you know, this sort of web two to web three transition is, is only beginning and is just going to pick up in terms of scale and breadth over the next few years.
0: Yeah. I, mean, I think it's hard to disagree with anything you're saying there. Um, I, I, I wouldn't mind touching on what you guys are doing with El Salvador, if you're able to discuss it. Um, but mm-hmm. I was actually giving a talk at UCL just uh, two days ago. Um, the adoption of Bitcoin in El Salvador was obviously something that actually came up and, and was being discussed. Um, I mean, is that something you think could not not? You know, it wouldn't be it would be unreasonable for me to say like, is it going to happen? But is it something that you feel that could uh, spread across to other countries? Are mm. they going to make uh, Bitcoin legal tender or some form of cryptocurrency?
1: I mean, I, I it, this is my personal view, of course, uh, but I think it's inevitable that that it will. I think the you know the benefits of of having. You know, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's some form of stablecoin as, as your legal tender, uh, but definitely some form of digital currency is, makes a lot of sense, especially for these emerging market economies with you know, high inflation, capital controls, economic and fiscal mismanagement, you know, political instability. Um, you know, these, these mechanisms offer um, you know, a way for the populations to preserve their wealth and their value to transfer and transmit it out of the country if need be. And also a lot of these economies rely on um, foreign remittances for a large part of their GDP. And, um, you know, and, and the frictional the, 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 the transaction costs of, of sending those remittances currently are very, very high and very costly. There's too many middlemen. And, and the digital asset ecosystem offers uh, a much um, better medium for, for these remittances to, to be paid. So in my mind, I think it's, it's not uh, if, it's when. I mean, you know, there's clearly been quite a few... Uh, sovereign states that have publicly declared that they'd like to pursue that avenue. There's the Central African Republic. I was just reading on Twitter yesterday that uh, the new prime minister, who's been elected in Fiji, is is pro Bitcoin. Obviously, the Tongan uh, prime minister is is making the same sort of noises. I mean, there's there's literally 30 or 40 emerging market countries that um, uh, you know that are publicly talking about this. So I think in this decade, at least, you will see. Several more countries follow El Salvador. Honestly, this is my personal opinion. Um, whether or not that's with Bitcoin or with some other form of stablecoin remains to be seen. But I think for the purists, at least, Bitcoin is, is is the one that they're gonna uh, that they're gonna pursue. And from the Bitcoin perspective, um, I think you know, although we're crypto agnostic and we um, cater for every sort of blockchain out there, we uh, we're integrating with all the major blockchain foundations. I think we now support more than 700 tokens in our ecosystem. You know, obviously, because we're so old, we, we're one of the oldest companies in crypto. We started very much with a Bitcoin ethos. You know, it was our, our founder and CEO, Mike Belshi, got into crypto through Bitcoin and, and recognized that there was a need for a institutional solution to safely store uh, digital assets at scale. Um, and so... With that in mind, to this day, 20% of all Bitcoin transactions still go in and out of a BitGo wallet. Um, and we are the sole custodian. We are the sole custodian of the wrapped BTC protocol, which enables Bitcoin to be transported into um, other sort of blockchain ecosystems and used as collateral and DeFi, etc. And we are the sole um custodian of that Rap btc and you know we constantly innovate in in the bitcoin ecosystem in terms of the wallet archi- architecture that we that we deploy but also in terms of our support of initiatives to broaden and strengthen the bitcoin network so you know we're big supporters uh, and proponents of the the lightning network which enables you know off chain micro payments uh between um of bitcoin between various holders around the world and the lightning network is going to be a big vector of, um, of adoption in some of these um, countries that are looking to, I guess, adopt Bitcoin as, as, as legal tender. So, you know, I, certainly we have all the tools and we have also the desire to help those communities and these countries as and when they, 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 they venture down that path.
0: Wow. A lot going on there. Um, what, what, what is your background?
1: Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm originally from the South Pacific, from a, a small little uh, French territory called New Caledonia. Uh, but I guess, uh, you know, I got fed up of the, the, the some white sandy beaches and the coconuts. And I, uh, I, and, and I <laughs> it sounds, sounds terrible. And I, I headed off to, to London to, to, to study after high school and decided to stay there. I got sucked into the big smoke. Uh, and ended up working in finance um, essentially for the for the best part of my career. So I was in fifteen years in in various investment banking roles, always on the fixed income side, initially in debt capital markets, you know doing sort of various bond issues for you know financial and sort of corporate companies in Europe. Um, and then I moved down to the trading floor and uh, then moved into emerging markets. So I was hired by uh, China's largest investment bank. To help them set up um, a sales and trading operation in in europe based out of london so i moved to hong kong for a couple of years with them uh, and then came back and uh, from 2015 to last year um, helped scale a, 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 a sort of trading desk focusing on asian emerging market bonds uh, for, for this bank and that was fascinating because um, first of all, it was emerging markets, which I love, you know, you're dealing with sovereigns, a lot of macro, a lot of volatility, not too, not dissimilar in a way to the crypto market. Uh, and also it was a role where, um, you know, there was a huge, we started from zero and scaled the business to, you know, something quite successful. So it was a lot of fun. It was very entrepreneurial. You had to roll your sleeves up and every onboard of a client was a win. You know, you had to, we, we started literally with zero clients. And by the time I left, we had 350 counterparties and, in, in, in the EMEA region. So it was, uh, it, it was a lot of fun, but the calling of digital assets was, was too strong. I, I was kind of, you know, once I went down that rabbit hole in 2017 initially and then refreshed it in 2019, um, I was just convinced that that was a space I wanted to work in. And I could, I think once you've, you know, looked through the looking glass and you're looking at the world through that, that, that sort of digital asset prism, you just see all the inefficiencies um, of Of the traditional finance world, you know how bonds are settled and issued, and how you know there's just too many middlemen and uh, and 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 just you know single points of failure and I just feel that um, you know that, that there's so many efficiencies that can be driven uh, by a much broader adoption of you know blockchain technology across various industry verticals so um you know, I made the move over to Bitco. I was just looking at essentially which companies can. And which type of companies can provide me the most exposure and most experience and, you know, most hands on experience in a digital asset ecosystem. And I thought I I separated everything into three buckets. I thought, well, I could go and work for another bank or another financial institution that's doing some form of digital asset strategy. But it's going to be the same old world with the same hierarchy and the same mentality. Or I could go the other side of the spectrum and go and work for a small DeFi project or you know decentralized application project, but then you're really at the whim of the markets and the funding markets. And I thought it was too volatile. And then I was looking at okay, well, which are the big crypto native players? And you know, Bitcoin just stood out as as being the one. So that's how, you know, I was lucky enough to 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 interview and get in, but that's oh. my background.
0: You know, I actually think first of all, I've got to say New Caledonia sounds incredible. So not not quite sure why you left first um
1: well, I keep I keep an eye uh, I keep an an, an an eye and an ear on the ground there. And and as I mentioned, you know, obviously Fiji and Tonga are short hops away. And and in the back of my mind, I do have some hopes and aspirations of um, you know, of doing something in in the digital asset space back in that region for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, look if we can help you guys in any, any way, or if I can help you with that at all, by all means, you know, let me know We're, we are growing the community in the most like random of places. And it seems that actually the beauty of like all emerging technologies is that that it really is just like borderless.
1: Um, Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. um, But I mean, in terms of your, like your personal passions, I mean, it's clear, it's evident how passionate you are about, um, about BitGo and about the crypto world um, overall. I have to say, I think you're working the most adventurous and most profitable area of crypto especially and sorry not just because of ftx but because there really is a need for uh the right type of like security around it Um, it, it, but in terms of yourself your passions like i assume this is one of it but like what's what's life like away for you like away from work and what, what do you get up to
1: for sure. No, I mean, it, you know, I, if you ask my, my girlfriend, she'll say I don't get up to anything else other than staring at my computer screen for 18 hours a day and talking about crypto. But I do I do have interests outside of that. Um, I, um, you know, I've always loved traveling. I think coming from where I do, you, you have to travel inevitably if you want to go anywhere. Um, and so, you know, it's been a huge passion of mine, just discovering new cultures, um, new languages. I mean, I speak French and German fluently and you know, I, I always feel at home just sort of being on a plane, going somewhere, working remotely from from someplace. I have quite sort of itchy feet syndrome. Mm. Um, and um, you know, I, I'm passionate about I'm actually right now in the in the um in the Bavarian Alps. I love being in the outdoors and being in the mountains, even though I come from an island, I feel very at home in in, in the mountains. I think it's just that sense of space and the fresh air um, right. and I love ski touring that's uh, that's a big thing that I do so you know put on some skins and instead of taking a lift up, just make, it, make your own way up to the top of the mountain and ski down some virgin slopes. so you know I, 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 myself and a bunch of friends got into that a few years ago and have been to go
0: out on your own.
1: You, on your ski you put some skins under your your um your skis, and you go up on your own. Yeah, so uh, Robbie, seal skins. Man. Yeah, yeah. No. no, it's a lot of fun. You have to have to do it in safe conditions, but it's uh, it's great.
0: No, I, you know, I, I was once with my um ex girl well, girlfriend at the time um on top of the Matterhorn um in Switzerland, like during a storm. Like two, three, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that that was enough for me. I was like, no. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I
0: Um, But yeah, that's very adventurous, that's very, um, I mean, in terms of like working at BitGo, um, what's it like as a company, you know, obviously, Mm -hmm. everyone is excited um, about the crypto space, I think now, like like you were saying earlier, the institutions are clearly more excited, which is crazy when you think everyone's describing this time as crypto winter. It feels yeah. like all the big companies are just positioning themselves for mm. the next, um, the next almost like crypto 3.0. Let's say 3.0 at this point. Um, yeah, but you know, it's for the next stage of crypto. Um, wh- what are you guys doing? You know, wh- what's the culture like? What's the company like? You know, um, mm. wh- what's it like? You know, when the doors are closed and you guys are all just there, like working away.
1: Absolutely. No. Well, uh, we're. Um... Um, to your point on on you know the next crypto three we've we've never been busier. There's always stuff going on. Where you know even though the market is clearly in an allow and and it's not even a crypto winter per se. I think it's fairer to call it a macro winter. I mean obviously people like to point fingers at crypto and say that it's down eighty percent, but so is so are a lot of tech stocks and tech sectors and everyone's suffering. And you know we unfortunately see that through all the layoffs happening again, not just in crypto, but you know, far and wide in, in, in sort of tech and fintech and beyond. Um, but nevertheless, you know, as a firm, we've never been busier. We've never sort of had more products um, rolling out in our, in our sort of pipeline and forecast for this year. Um, so as a firm, it's, it's fascinating. It's the first time I've worked for a, a, you know, a real startup and for an American company. And although most people still work remotely, it's incredibly efficient. Um, everyone, I think is passionate, first and foremost, about crypto. And that really helps, you know, sort of to drive that passion into sort of their work ethic and their workload. Um, And just by virtue of being at the epicenter, really, of everything digital assets, you know, if you're any type of business looking to do something in crypto, then one of the first providers you're going to speak to is a custodian and a wallet as a a wallet provider. Um, And hence, you know, we just, we're very lucky to sit in the middle and have, exposure to all these different types of businesses all these different type of intelligent young people trying to you know create the next big thing in crypto or sort of solve a solution in their own markets and so um, you know everyone's excited about that everyone wants to help those companies scale and build and find the right solution Um, and i think we're about 350 employees right now half of which are you know on the sort of product and engineering side so it's a very Sort of technical heavy, you know, um, company. Some of the best sort of crypto engineers, blockchain engineers, are you know work for Bitgo, and that that sort of is demonstrated by the ability to launch these wonderful products that that find product market fit or that respond to you know client demands in in you know a very short time frame. So you know we're definitely not resting on our laurels. We're always trying to sort of innovate and. Uh, you know, and be the market leader in terms of um, in terms of the products that we offer, but always done with security and compliance and regulation in mind, because we're very conscious that that is the way the market is evolving. And to this day, touch wood, we have had zero uh, security security incidents, um, you know, with our products. We've had no issues whatsoever with uh, any of our global regulators. We have very good relationships with them, and you know, long may it last. That's very much how we do business.
0: Yeah, I, I have to say that, uh, you know, the crypto world naturally gravitates towards like the younger generation, right? In terms of their initial investments. I know that with Yon uh, Rayon, my co-founder of Rayon, um, you know, he's never bought equities he He's only ever mm-hmm. bought like crypto. Um, yeah. And you know, there's a modernization that is taking place with BitGo in terms of like attitude towards security um i mean what are the challenges that you guys are facing around that in terms of i guess it's convincing people the public right because you know and these institutions actually you know you guys need to make this change you need to make it now
1: well the changes are going to come organically from the companies who i think have finally recognized that you know the need for what we call really fiduciary custody, right? And I think it's it's amazing to to um, to see how few people actually really understand the term fiduciary or understood it before and different really differentiate between, as I said earlier, some of the sort of more technology software solutions for custody and real custody. And 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 in a post post FTX world, a lot of um, you know our customers and and you know sort of uh, operators in the broader crypto ecosystem have recognized that they really need to um, to, to, to come into a a sort of much more secure, regulated custodian environment. So there's a lot of that sort of movement happening organically. And then the rest of that movement will also naturally happen through, um, from a top-down regulatory requirement. And I think there will be, um, you know, obviously Europe is taking the lead in terms of having a a sort of broad-based Crypto regulatory framework through MiCA, which hopefully should be out, you know, by the middle of next year. Uh, and finally, the UK seems to be doing somewhat of a U-turn on its sort of anti-crypto regulatory stance. And 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 but they have a lot of catching up. Can to I do. jump
0: in here? Why, like, what? Well, why is it that you know the the UK? And again, you know, um, I've lived here my entire life. Um, you know, you've you've lived in the UK. Um, why? Is the UK government so against change, and why have they reacted so slowly? My attitude has has been in terms of crypto: the country that regulates crypto the fastest and does it the most Mm. effectively Mm. is the country that is pretty much going to lead um, the future, like the financial world. So, you know, we had a head start in the UK. What was it that allowed us to throw it by the wayside the way that we have done?
1: I mean, you could ask that question about many things that happened in the UK over the last sort of 10 years, unfortunately, yeah. um, but but it seems to have this, you know, they seem to have adopted this relatively self-destructive streak, um, it, but but they're finally turning a corner. I think the UK one, you know, the UK is, is resilient, is adaptive, um, is mercantilistic by nature, um, and... You know they do have they do have the sort of ecosystem in place across you know the consultants and the lawyers and the rule of law and the legal framework generally uh, and all the ancillary ancillary businesses to really become the global crypto hub certainly outside of the US the US of course which you know itself can't seem to decide which regulatory. Uh, which regulator should be, you know, in charge of of um, of 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 crypto more broadly, and and hence I, you know, I don't know why the UK was so anti crypto for so long, but I'm very glad to see that they're turning it around, and I hope that they will be able to fast track it sufficiently to, if not catch up with Europe, to kind of be, um, you know, on par with Europe in a couple of years, because MiCA obviously started as an inception in 2000. And- you know whatever 17 18 and will only come um into application in in middle of 2024 now obviously there's a there's a lot more countries needed to approve it and it's a sort of more um i guess um uh, you know longer process of, of 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 approval and getting it in legislation in the european union but it still took six years six seven years and if the uk is only starting now the best case is they might be able to have a a, a sound framework in three or four years, which is still going to I don't put them behind. They do. Yeah,
0: I, I, I have to. You know, I'm, I, I'm very open, and I, I like to take a, um, a balanced view, and I like to like, evaluate things. But I think, in terms of the UK, I think they've actually missed the boat, and mm-hmm. it, it's too late. When I see what um, other countries are doing, you know, especially in the Middle East, um, it feels like they are just so far ahead of us culturally yeah. in terms of how to adopt these new technologies, how to create real utility for the masses. Um, And in terms of uh, companies, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I I, I don't know if you know about the Red Flag Act of 1865, but it was when um, the uh, automobile first came about and it was the restrictions which the UK government put in place. Um, It really... Stops the stop britain from leading um uh leading the car industry right and america right. at the time they thought hey you know look, you know they're slowing everything down let's speed everything up and it feels like there's something very similar with what's going on in, in the crypto world that mm. cultural <clears throat> that mentality more than anything and uh yeah it's it's, it's quite discerning i must say to uh, to actually see
1: No, absolutely. And you touched upon the Middle East. I mean, we're seeing huge amount of activity and growth there. We're obviously, you know, heavily involved in in the region. We're in the process of getting our license in Dubai. Um, You know, and and I think it's just extremely refreshing to see those sort of jurisdictions be so crypto friendly, proactive in their regulatory framework. Um, And this applies not just to Dubai, but obviously Abu Dhabi as well bahrain and and more interestingly saudi arabia which is it, it just blows my mind the sort of activity that's going on there it's um it's really going to be a powerhouse in the next 10 years
0: we're growing like rayon is growing a lot in saudi arabia and i have to say that actually since since chat gpt came about uh, we're even uh we're even more popular um have you had mm. a chance to try
1: us out yet Absolutely. Yeah. No, I wish I I wish I was still in high school and I could write all my history essays. I mean, it'd be fantastic. Could you imagine <laughs> could you imagine being a student with ChatGPT? Oh uh,
0: incredible. Yeah, amazing. But um, look, I mean, in, in terms of BitGo, um, what, what, what what's the future look like for you guys?
1: Well, I think we, you know, we're um, we've been independent for 10 years. Um, you know, we we've been sort of um, security and compliance focused and trying to innovate with our products. Um, so I think we're just going to go lockstep with the with the evolution of the crypto market. We're just going to make sure that our products are, you know, um, uh, as up to date as possible, offer the broadest range of clients uh, the services that they want and, you know, stays um, abreast of the developments in the broader crypto market. You know, so um, the NFT marketplace development or the various um you know new blockchains that are coming through, making sure that we integrate them and offer them uh, to our clients from our safe custodial environment, so that they can stake it or deploy it or you know go and go and access a DeFi protocol, but all from the safety of their um, of, of their hot wallets. And I think obviously um, you know this is a a borderless global phenomenon. We're a global you know borderless company with employees spread all around the world, and I think that that will continue to be our, our bread and butter. We will be getting licenses in relevant jurisdictions putting boots on the ground there and you know expanding our footprint you know in line with 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 the broader crypto expansion
0: it's been great to have you with us
1: today thank you so much for your time Lawrence you've been fantastic thank you very much